everyone's got that one pivotal moment in their life. Maybe you have more than one, but everyone has at least one. That moment when you saw something, heard something, experienced something, when someone introduced you to something, when you made a decision, that moment that would change the course of your life forever. For Emery, that moment was on September 11th, 2001. Yeah, that day. That's the day Emery left on a cross-country move from a small town in South Carolina to Seattle, Washington to try to make it big as a rock band. For me, that moment was a day in 2005 when my little brother handed me a burned copy of The Question, Emery's second album. Do I need to explain what a burned CD is? I think I do. A burned CD is when you would take the original CD and stick it in your computer and then upload that music into iTunes or whatever. You'd then remove that CD and insert a blank CD that you had to buy and burn those songs onto that. Life was tough in 2005. Like most other bands' origin stories, Emery were friends in college who had similar musical tastes. And like me, they only listened to radio music until they got into college. They started playing local and regional gigs, but soon realized that their style of music wasn't going to take them anywhere in the area they were, and they needed to move. They left for Seattle the morning of 9-11 and didn't realize what had taken place until they were halfway across the country. If you're old enough to remember 9-11, then you remember. Can you imagine the uncertainty of that situation? Should we keep going? Should we turn back? Are there going to be more attacks? Are we safe? Thankfully, they decided to stay the course, and that was clearly the right decision. They'd soon get signed to pseudo-Christian record label Tooth & Nail and quickly became part of the screamo, post-hardcore, warp Tour scene. They'd go on to release eight records, tour the country, tour the world, and even have some of their fans name their children after them. Some of those people will be at this show. Emery is getting set to release their ninth album, Rub Some Dirt On It. When I moved home from college in December of 2005, it was a strange time. I was just out of a terrible relationship. I was back at home, but it wasn't the home I grew up in. My little brother had just turned 18 and also just had a son. Being six years older than my brother, we didn't have a ton in common growing up, and I also had been gone for the last five years. Add to that that he was a brand new father, and our lives were pretty different to say the least. One thing we always connected on, though, was music. I remember introducing him to bands like Blink-182, New Found Glory, and Sum 41. I remember that day in 2005 asking him what bands he was listening to, and he handed me three burn CDs. All's Well That Ends Well by Chiodos, The Translating the Name EP by Sayosin, and The Question by Emery. All great albums, all three still listened to today by me. But Emery was the one that stuck out, and the one that stuck. The first song I heard from that album was Studying Politics, and it was like reading a private journal entry, like reading a poem. A mark beneath the chin, I've caught you once again. Took me a few listens to get that one. My favorite song from that album is called Returning the Smile You Have Had from the Start. Yeah, it was a thing with emo screamo bands to have obnoxiously long song titles. Returning the Smile, for short, is about a friend dying. My uncle had died of AIDS when I was a teenager, and the similarities between his story and the song are eerily similar. In my memory, I wrote you down in ink. I never wanted to erase your story, even with the tragedy it brings. And so I did. I have my interpretation of the song and my uncle's life tattooed, in ink, on my arm. My name is Ed Akers, and this is the Local 636 Podcast. Today I'm joined by Devin Shelton, one of the vocalists for Emory. All right, Devin, thanks for joining us today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ed. Appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, you're on the Local 636 Podcast, which is interesting people, places, and things in St. Charles. And although you're not in St. Charles, you're playing a show here on December 9th, your second show here. Yep. Um, yep. so we've been promoting it, talking about it. And, uh, you know, while you, your band means a whole lot to me, uh, there's a lot of people who don't know who you are. And so they're asking what kind of band is it? What kind of music? And, 
you know, I imagine you have the same kind of trouble describing that. We want to stay away from that, uh, that screamo word, right? <laughs> how do you describe, <laughs> yep. how do you describe post hardcore? Uh, so, you know, playing some songs for people. Uh, but I kind of wanted to hear it from you. What can people expect from this songs and stories show? Well, um, you know, typically what we like to do is, you know, we'll, we'll be telling lots of stories just from, from the, from tours past and, you know, from, uh, writing these songs, kind of what the songs are about. Uh, we take questions. We usually end up getting a lot of, a lot of questions during the show. So we end up asking those, answering those questions and just telling stories about it. And, um, yeah, we just play, you know, pretty much any Emory song that we feel is, you know, is appropriate and works well, um, in an acoustic setting, which, you know, most of our songs we write on acoustic guitars from the start. So I would say pretty much 90% of our music, you know, we can translate over to acoustic pretty easily. So I was wondering that because when you listen to a song like Walls, you know, you think, man, this is not going to play well, but it, it really does acoustically. And uh, I, I didn't realize that you guys wrote that way. Is that intentional to, to make it translate to something acoustic? Um, it, I mean, it sort of is, but also, you know, like, it's just easier for us since we have multiple songwriters. Um, it's just easier for us to kind of just sit down with an acoustic by yourself at your house and just kind of, you know, hash out ideas. We don't, I mean, we've done this a few times, definitely, but for the most part, our band, we just uh, compile ideas kind of on our own. Me and Toby and Matt will have a few ideas musically. And once we get together to work on an album or work on songs, uh, we'll bring those ideas in and then kind of uh, translate those over to full band settings. So typically the birth of a song starts with an acoustic and then builds from there. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, the last time you guys were here was, I believe, 2018, right after Eve came out. Uh, and I wanted to know yep. uh, if you remembered playing in Frenchtown, you guys played in Driftwood Music Shop and uh, what you remember about that, if anything, about the show, about the area. Oh, yeah, it was a, a very cool area. I mean, it, it kind of felt like it was a kind of being rebuilt to some degree, you know, a little bit of a slower uh, area, not a whole lot going on at the time when we played there. Uh, but the guitar shop was super cool in uh, obviously like a little bit more vintage kind of uh, feel. And uh, we loved it. I mean, it was a great show and uh, we were, you know, we typically, you know, on these songs and stories tours, we don't really like to play music venues. It just, we want to kind of separate it from the typical show. So usually we play, coffee shops or like you said guitar shops or people's homes it just kind of depends on the vibe um but yeah i remember st louis being a uh, super super cool vibe in that guitar shop so yeah. I, and st charles was really awesome yeah cool they're uh we would love to have you back there they're actually full of guitars now so that slow oh, nice. that slow build has uh, has been continuing and uh you know you guys may notice that we've got a tattoo shop now we've got a brewery coming in and this coffee shop that you're playing in is is really cool. Um, you said something that made me think, you know, kind of separating from your normal playing, uh, you know, playing a venue or whatever to playing a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. What are some other, you know, besides the obvious, what do you guys like about playing acoustic versus playing like full band? What are the differences? What are the pros and cons? Can you talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously playing full band is fun. It's energetic. You know, you you feed off the crowd. Like, I mean, that's that's a huge part of the live show is, you know, reciprocating the energy that you're getting from the crowd. And so anytime there's a great crowd and it's pretty electric in the room, I mean, that obviously, you know, gets gets those uh, that dopamine kick kicking mm-hmm. in and you just kind of start going with it you know i mean it just it is a huge rush you know to some degree so um but you know to be totally honest as we as we're getting older and you know we've been touring for so long now that sitting down and just having a real (laughs) just a real mellow uh evening with you know 50 60 70 people um you know, just playing acoustic and not having to scream so loud and, you know, sing over all this music. Um, it just is a nice, you know, change of pace to be honest. And I mean, we, we really do love it and it's super low key, super easy because we're usually just dealing with like you and people who are hosting the show one-on-one. It's not going through any agents or anything like that. So, it's way more DIY, way more low key and much less stressful than a standard tour that you have to think about a hundred different things in a day, you know, getting to the venue, you know, hoping, hoping your bus or van is running well, you know, just getting there in time, uh, sound check, all this stuff all day long. Uh, and in these, we just kind of get there an hour, hour and a half before the show, make sure it sounds okay in the room and then grab some pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I think I introduced you guys to emos last time. I know Toby wasn't a huge fan. I think he put on a little bit for me, but, uh, Oh yeah. (laughs) You live in, you live in central Illinois. I think you don't, you guys don't get emos that far out there. Do you? No, we don't. We don't. Um, (laughs) and I can tell you being on the, probably on the higher end of your, your fan base, it's nice for me to be able to sit down and enjoy some memory music too. You know, I, I love the live show, but, uh, but yeah, being able to sit down and chill out, uh, you know, drink a beer without fear of it getting spilled all over me is, is a nice change. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. I do have a uh, kind of a fan question that I'm sure is going to be of little interest, uh, <laughs> to my podcast listeners, but, uh, maybe, maybe it will, it'll translate. You, you mentioned the DIY. And I think one thing that's super interesting about you guys is that as a, um, you know, as a band that doesn't have radio play, that, that doesn't have MTV play. You guys have had to, you guys have had to DIY. You guys have had to innovate. You guys have had to be progressive and you see a lot of bands of your, um, size, I guess, you know, doing these reunion shows because they've broken up because they've had to break up, uh, and they're getting back together. You guys have stayed together. You've continued to put out records. You've continued to innovate through things like, you know, the live streams, uh, to, I don't know what you even call the rub some dirt on it. You guys live recorded the album in one take. Um, yeah, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> which was amazing. Um, I, I guess I wanted to hear a little bit about that. Is that, is that something you were forced into? Is that, was there foresight there to be like, Hey, we have to be like this. If we're going to keep doing this, we have to do these, you know, these songs and stories tours, like talk about kind of the DIY and how you guys have been able to stay together through all the changes in the industry and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, obviously most people don't know this, that listen to your podcast probably, but I, I actually left the band right. for, about, for about five years. And it was right around the time that my wife and I were going to start having kids and all that. And so 
I just felt like it was the right thing to do. And, you know, it was like, you know, it feels like this season is changing and all that. So, um, and then the guys, you know, they kept going and they were still doing well and, you know, still um, traveling. There was no reason to stop. I mean, everybody still wanted to do it. And so uh, about uh, five years into my, well, I guess I, about halfway through, I played a, a couple of reunion not reunion, sorry, um, anniversary tours, a little short, like two week stints for the week's end. And so I kind of, you know, I got, went back for that and I was still involved like minimally, but then about five years after I had left the band, um, they were doing an acoustic show, um, near where I live. And so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll play that. That'd be fun. And so I went and played and, you know, it was just super fun. Everybody really had a great time. You know, it was like, man, this is so awesome. I wish we could do this more often. And so that kind of triggered a little bit more of the, hey, let's play more of these acoustic shows, more songs and stories. Um, it'll be less touring. And I think at that point in time, everybody was more on on board with what I had kind of already chosen to do. And that was be like, you know, tour less. Everybody had multiple kids. And so it was like, hey, I can I could probably go out and play these shows if you guys only do like, you know, a week at a time, <laughs> you know, that that's that's doable. But I can't do 40 days in a row anymore. No, you know, I just mm. nobody can do that. So um, so that's kind of where that kind of kicked off a little bit more of that way of thinking. And it was sustainable so that, you know, now uh, for the past, you know, six, seven, eight years that I've been back, um you know, we've been able to uh, plan our touring based on, you know, everybody's home schedule and everything like that. So we don't typically do tours longer than a week and a half, you know, ever. I mean, nobody. And, and most of the time we only do about five shows in a row if we do like a full band tour. So and that's just better for everybody now and everybody's in agreement. So that's that's one way that we're able to sustain. I think if we were if if, it, if we had like a few members of the band that still wanted to do full national tours you know every few months we just wouldn't be able to do it i mean there would everybody it would be chaos in the band because some people would want to do that and some people wouldn't so we're able to kind of sustain our our path because you know everybody's pretty flexible on hey let's only do this many shows a year and let's and now that after covid hit obviously that changed a lot of things for a lot of bands and we were already kind of adapted to that less touring and all that so it didn't affect us quite as much as most bands um but we were able to kind of jump right in to the digital world of concerts and we really really love that because it already kind of caters to what we're trying to do and we're able to produce these high quality video uh, shows for people all over the world when we we don't really get to tour all over the world anymore because of our schedules and so because of that it's it's really helped us to really propel into the future a little bit more and we feel like you know we're probably more relevant now than we even have been in some years um, because we're trying to push the envelope in that digital world a little bit and so when we recorded rub some dirt on it our new album we we decided uh, specifically we were like hey we're going to do this we're going to work on these songs uh we're going to write them beforehand not record them at all and just turn on the turn on the the cameras and turn on the audio capture and we're just going to record this when we play it and that's what we did so 
And it was <laughs> awesome. You guys, uh, on your podcast, you credit Under Oath with kind of setting the bar for those live streams. And, and there's three of theirs were uh-huh. phenomenal. Rub Some Dirt On It was a different experience. And I can't wait to watch it again. Can you tell everyone when it, I know it comes out on YouTube maybe at some point in the future or coming yeah. up? Yeah. So um, for the past few months, it's been available to our our fan community, uh, Emory Land and Knuckle Breakers. They've been able to watch it on demand. Uh, but yes, on Tuesday, November 23rd, it will be free on YouTube for anybody to watch. So uh, we, we kind of wanted to go a different route, you know, with releasing music. I mean, we, you know, we're not losing a whole lot by not putting on Spotify yet. The 0.002 cents per play is hmm. not like a <laughs> huge financial uh, gain for us. So yeah. we will have, we will release it on streaming, um, but we, we kind of wanted to put it on a YouTube because we want people to actually see it before they hear it. It is an experience. You know I mean? we yeah. Want, yeah. yeah. We want to, people to see the songs, us playing the songs live in this format so that they kind of understand the context. And then they can go back and, and stream it all they want after they see it. But we, we thought that was the more important part of this album. Yeah. I, I didn't know what to expect when I first watched it. And it, it was, it, it was amazing. Just incredible. I've never seen anything like it. And I hope that it's something that bands catch on to and do in the future, because it was a really cool experience. Um, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Now, uh, I was lucky enough to see you guys at Furnace Fest. You guys had an awesome crowd for four in the afternoon, which was, yeah, nice. which was crazy. Um, all old songs, which was cool. Uh, (laughs) can we expect any rub some dirt on it songs on December 9th? Uh, yeah, probably so. I mean, there's a couple, um, that are pretty, uh, easily, you know, translatable to acoustic. And so we will definitely do at least one, maybe two of those, uh, in St. Louis, but we had planned on doing one at Furnace Fest. Um, but the, the set times were limited and we knew most people kind of wanted to hear the, the hits. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we kind of just, we kind of tossed that to the side, but we hope to play that live full band also in the future. That'd be fun. Very cool. Well, man, that's going to do it. I, I appreciate you stopping in and, uh, can't wait to see you guys yeah. at La Belle V on December 9th doors at six shows at six thirty, I believe. Yeah, that sounds right. Thank you. Ed. Appreciate awesome. It. Thank you, man. Well, that was awesome. One of the highlights uh, of doing this podcast so far, I've had some great guests on, but that was really a very cool thing for me to do. And I hope you guys can make it out to the show. It's going to be at La Belle V in Frenchtown, December 9th. It's a Thursday. Tickets are $40. Now, you may think that's a lot for a concert. If you like Emory or if you like intimate acoustic shows, it's really not. Um, There's only going to be maybe 60 or 70 people there. It's kind of an up-close and personal experience. Uh, as Devin said, there's going to be stories. There's going to be audience interaction. Um, it's going to be just an awesome event. Part of that ticket price too, is, uh, you do get a signed poster, um, from the band public art company and local 636 are also going to be there live printing t-shirts. Uh, if you've seen that design that we've, uh, thrown out there that Jordan design, it's amazing. Uh, you're going to be able to buy a, a live printed t-shirt, uh, from the venue that night. The ticket link is in the description. Grab your tickets, bring your friends. You definitely don't want to miss this. It's going to be an awesome event. It's going to be an awesome event for Frenchtown, and I can't wait to see you guys there. <laughs>